Let's go to Psalms 23, verses 1 through 3. As the children are dismissed. I'm so grateful for Children's Church and for the ministers that take care of our children. I remember at age 15, I knew nothing about God. Nothing about His Word. And I remember how uh, when I went to church, uh, what actually got me understanding about the basics of Scripture uh, happened to be Sunday school. It was very exciting for me because uh, I wanted to know the Word. I would read it. I didn't understand. You know what? I, uh, when I first got saved, I got a Spanish Bible. I didn't understand Spanish too much, but I got a Spanish Bible. and uh, Versión Antigua, Casidorio de Reina. Old version too. Antigua, the, the antig, antiga, antigua means very, very old. It means ancient <laughs> or the old language. And that's, what I, that's where I you know, pretty much uh, chewed on for the first, I uh, would say, 10 years of my uh, Christianity. And it's, it's interesting because I started with the book of Genesis. You know, and, and the earth was void. I understood nothing about what I was reading. But what really impacted me was Sunday school. Because then they gave me understanding as to what I was reading. See, and so I, I appreciate Sunday school. I appreciate children's church because I, got, I didn't get into general Sunday school. I got into the youth Sunday school. And uh, they, they spoke to us in our understanding, in layman's terms, in terms of our culture, in terms of what we, uh, what we could understand. So I will never forget that. I will always appreciate it to this day. I still remember the name of my Sunday school teacher, Elmana Sonia, Sister Sonia. She passes now in Florida. And, you know, somebody I would never forget because they impacted me so much. So I thank God for the gifts that are in the body. And this is something I've been stressing to each and every one of you uh, the last couple of weeks, that Christ uh, is a gift to us and we are gifts to others. There are people right now waiting for you to get ready. They're waiting for you to share your gifts. And I believe, it's just my opinion, that we as Christians aren't given just one gift. We are multifaceted. And the Holy Spirit, who has no limit, can use you or work with you and through you uh, according to the need. You might not be a prophet, but you can prophesy. You might not be a teacher classically trained in school, but God can work through you to teach others. You understand? So some people think that the only gifts in the church are the... Uh, oracle gifts, the preaching gifts, or maybe the worship gifts. Like we have this gift right here, and you know, Brother Ephraim, uh, right now he's now going to Dad's church, and he's going to bless them over there. And uh, he's all over the city, because um, he also has sound ministry, you know, all, all over the city. And uh, this gift is very vital, because you're hearing me today because of the setup between him and Minister Julio, or Julio, and all the other teammates there. Otherwise, it'd be a hard time understanding me, right? So every gift is vital. Every gift is needed. Every single one of you are needed. Every single one of you are necessary. So say to your neighbor, you're necessary. And you, you know, most people, for whatever reason, we always wish we could be like him or like her. But the bottom line is, God made you unique. And you will shine when you start to realize that. When you start to value yourself, value who God made you to be, right? And then express that with passion and with joy and, and with exuberance. God bless you, my brother. Have a great week, all right? I'll see you for the... Will I see you here or are you going to be busy next week? You're going to be here? Amen. Glory to God. I look forward to next week's service. Praise God. So I appreciate each and every one of you more than what you realize. Because I caught a revelation of that early on. When, when God started speaking to me and started sharing, because I, I knew I was nothing. I knew I was going nowhere. I was a nobody, right, at age 15. But when I got to the church, God said, no, no, you're not a nobody. You're somebody very special. It took me years to really understand that and to capture that I have value. You know why? Because life beat me up so much. Because circumstances and situations beat me up so much. Because in school, the kids didn't know me, so they would trash my name, they would trash me, they would, uh, I guess, circumstances. Coming up in, in Harlem was very difficult in the late 60s and early 70s. There was a lot of hate, a lot of animosity, a lot of fighting. I was almost murdered various times. Uh, I shared with you um, a couple of years ago my testimony, how I was one floor away from being thrown off the roof. 
just because I was in the wrong place at the, at the wrong time or in the wrong place at the right time, <laughs> so to speak. And it, it, was, it was very alarming to me. And then as, an, as a Hispanic kid, uh, my mother decides to move me to Puerto Rico. And I said, oh, good. Uh, she's always told me I'm a Puerto Rican. I was born in New York and I was raised in Harlem. But she told me I was Puerto Rican. So I believed it, right? And plus we spoke Spanish at home and my family was Puerto Rican. So, okay, I, I, I'm Puerto Rican. She moved me to Puerto Rico and all the kids in Puerto Rico called me gringo. So I didn't feel at home in Puerto Rico. I didn't feel I was... See, so my identity was all, was all messed up. So I, I ran away. I told mom, I'm, I'm leaving this place. Can't stand this place. So I went back to New York. My dad was here and she was over there. <laughs> Our home was a mess too. But I felt more at home over here. So uh, the point I'm saying is when I, when I came to the Lord, the Lord said, no, 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 you're mine. You have an earthly nationality, but you have a heavenly nationality. And so now you're my child first, and then out of that strength, out of that stability, now I give you strength to be who you are called to be on the earth. And little by little, God started healing me and healing my past. And one of the greatest days for me in terms of, I, I guess, the sense of stability and being, and also the uniqueness in terms of how God positioned me. See, because you're not born in a place by mistake. God will position you on purpose. Because those unique experiences and skill sets you'll later use in your ministry. Amen. And most people don't understand that. But now I understand because I am I'm a pastor in the inner city. So all my experience now gives me a lot of strength. But one of the things that really healed me in terms of my, my, my attitude, I just had an attitude toward my, my Hispanic side. And uh, the fact that I always spoke much better English. I would go to Spanish churches, I would ask for, ask for a translator. Because I really, I, I, my Spanish just was not all that. It was, it, I would get bottlenecked. Mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, bilingual folk, you know what I'm talking about. One of your, one of the, the weaker language, you'll always feel a bottleneck. You know, I hate that. I just want to flow. So um, they, they, they give me the privilege of becoming a director of a national company, you know, Promise Keepers. Years ago, I became the regional director. Um, and one of my stops, uh, one of the places I was responsible for, guess what? Puerto Rico, of all things. So now um, they want to know everything about Promise Keepers. They're excited, Puerto Rico is, all the churches. And guess who was the liaison between Colorado Springs and Puerto Rico? Me. So these people, they fly me in. They would fly me in. They would pay and fly me in. When I got there, there was a car waiting for me. They would take me to the best Puerto Rican restaurants because I was the Promise Keepers rep. And that thing was exploding in, in, in the 1990s. And so they drive me around. And meanwhile, I still had this thing in my heart. So they, they did a very large event in Ponce. And, and so they're setting up. I'm looking. I say, oh, okay, everything's all right. Check, 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 check. So, because my responsibility to make sure I interface between national and Puerto Rico. All right. So they, just before they start the service, uh, they get up and they pray and they had a huge choir of men because it was a men's ministry. Um, it's on TV, it's on radio. And then they asked me to come up and share a couple of thoughts. This guy who had an attitude, who still hadn't been healed from this thing that happened to me years ago, and they kept on calling me Americucci and gringo. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because you're not one of us. You know, I don't care what you said, what they told you in New York, but you weren't born here, so you're not one of us. So, all right, uh, I, I then get up, and, uh, you know, of all things, I could have said, God bless you, Puerto Rico, and all this. No, I said, you know, when I was a child, you people rejected me. One of the things that the Promise Keepers ministry taught us was you have to be vulnerable and open. They didn't teach um, the macho men stuff. They taught broken man stuff. Be broken before the Lord. Be vulnerable and share the things that hurt you. And so I said, okay, all right. Let me practice this right here, right now. So, so I, said, I said, Puerto Rico, you guys rejected me when I was 13 years old. I want to let you know today, as an act of faith, I forgive you. I had the nerve to get on a, a national program thing like that on TV and radio. And actually, that was my opening words. All right. Then I went on and I greeted everybody. And I, when I went down, a whole group of guys ran to me and grabbed me and hugged me. No, you're one of us. You're one of ours. And they, they just loved on me. And I, I, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, was, I just melted, you know. And, you know, that was a, a place of healing for me. 
And I share that with you because many of us, we, we, we experience the very same things of our unique situations growing up. But God will find a place to bring you to that point where you need to confront the issues of your past. Because if you don't confront the issues of your past, you can't move forward in power. You see, and that's one of the gifts that God gives us. And as we're speaking about Christmas being a time of giving, what better gift than the gift of identification, the, the, the gift of family? Uh, when, 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 when he saves us, he doesn't say, uh, I forgive you. Almighty God forgives you of all your sin. No, he says, call me father. Come into relationship with me. I make you my son. I adopt you into my family. I birth you again into my family with all the rights with, with all the privileges thereof, I mean, uh, thereunto, whatever. You, you can't get better than that. How many of you right now would love to be adopted by Donald Trump? <laughs> I'm just asking. What do you think, Vera? Just, 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 a, just an adoption. It, no strings attached. You don't have to lose. You could keep your name, your last name. But he wants to adopt you. He wants to make you his daughter with the full privileges. What do you think? No problem, no problem right? Yeah, right. She would go, of course. No problem. <laughs> Think about it. Then that means that his sons and daughter would have to open up a slot for you. And how many children do you have? I think it's three, two boys and a girl, I think. But if he adopts you, it'll be four. So the, the inheritance no longer belongs to three, now belongs to four. All right? What do you think? Would you like that? All I, need is, all I need is a hotel, that's all. Just one hotel. What do you think? Huh? It will work for you? All right, I'm looking at everybody. They're going, uh, uh, could I look at the contract, please? <laughs> I'm just saying. So it's something as ridiculous as that. But guess what? God is not Donald Trump. God is the creator of Donald Trump. And God just allows Donald Trump for a season to steward the stuff here on earth. But the bottom line is he can take and give as he pleases because he's Almighty God. Understand? And Almighty God has made you his son and daughter in Christ. So you have all the inheritance. Somebody has to move aside so that you could get your inheritance. You know what I love about heaven? There is no recession in heaven. I got one amen and a lot of like... There is no recession in heaven. Times are difficult here on earth, right? But guess what? From your lineage, your, your spiritual lineage, there is no limitation. There is wisdom unlimited. Power unlimited, praise God. So when we ask of God, somewhere along the line, he's going to open up doors. Somewhere along the line, if a door is closing today, some of you right now are experiencing closed doors. But guess what? That means do doors are opening. Because God will not close a door just to close a door. He'll close a door because another one is opening. If one season is ending, now another season is opening. Praise God. And God, take you, God takes you from season to season. And in your previous season, you're preparing. So how many of you have been going through a battle? All that is, <laughs> somebody went like this. Uh, all that is, is a preparation for your next season. Because whenever we go into a next season, we always go in there with a certain level of incompetence. We're not fully qualified for the other season. In other words, if you are, um, you're, you're a staff member here and suddenly they make you the supervisor, you've never been a supervisor before, right? So when they give you the title, to a certain degree, you're not 100% uh, uh, set in place. Now you have to learn some of the, the, the unusual, uh, the idiosyncrasies, the nuances of that level of leadership. So you're, to a certain extent, you're incompetent now, but you come in and you're being groomed for it, right? Well, God is grooming you now for something you don't know just yet. When Joseph was in prison, what was he being groomed for? Right hand of Pharaoh. But did he know that? While he was prophesying in prison, he was getting ready to prophesy in Pharaoh's court. You see the point? But he didn't know that yet, but he was faithful right in the place where he was at. Ten minutes before he was about to be promoted, he did not know that. Until the jailer comes in and he says, uh, Joseph, come here. We've got to dress you up. We've got to wash you up. He says, why? He says, just come with me. Follow me. And they take him in there. They wash him up. And then they give him the clothing of a minister 
or a prime minister or an assistant prime minister. He says, what is this? He says, Pharaoh needs to see you. Ooh, okay. So now he's saying, oh, Lord, what's going on? I remember your word. I know you said that you were going to prosper me. I know you said my brothers will bow down. And I, I know there's a season coming. Could, could this be? But he didn't know exactly. Suddenly he gets before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh challenges him with, with some questions, and he's responding with the wisdom of God. And right there, Pharaoh's heart is moved, doors open instantaneously. See, but, but, but Joseph had been in the process of being pruned and trained. And what looked like a difficult time was a, the qualifier for his new season. So what are you going through now? God has given you the gift of relationship. He's given you the gift of process. Say with me, process. process. Can you say, I love process. Yeah, right. <laughs> the voice changed. Oh, I love process. No, we don't love process because it beats us up. We don't love process because we don't know what's going on. We get confused. But don't worry about it. God has not forgotten you. On the contrary, he's taking you through a unique process that's going to bring you to the next level of your promotion where you'll have greater influence and now you will be a, 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 a world changer. You can't be a world changer until your own world is changed. Praise God. Amen. So when we go back to Psalms 23, I've been sharing with you about the, the power of the shepherd, the fact that King David was a shepherd before he was ever king. I love the fact that nobody knew about David. He was a nobody. Not even his father recognized him as a potential candidate. All right? So this David, now King David, he's... he's singing before the Lord, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, it's all about God and his name and his honor. It wasn't about David, it was about God. And, and David knew that. He said, God, in your honor, in your faithfulness, you are being a shepherd to me. I, I understand what you do because I protect the sheep also. I'm the one that goes before the sheep and prepares the terrain. So by the time the sheep get there, they have all that they need. I'm the one that goes beforehand and I do reconnaissance to make sure that there are no wolves or whatever uh, can harm the sheep. And I'm the one that's always in, in ready position to be able to kill anything that would try to harm the sheep. And you do that for me, for your own namesake. So if you look at the name of Jesus... His namesake. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves. So it's interesting that when that child was born, already the angel had declared to the family, his name shall be called this. God saves or Yahweh saves. Mary was instructed to name her son Jesus because it summed up the mission to save his people from their sins. And it's also the English translation of Jesus or Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. Jesus' name indicates not only his mission, but his divinity. And the fact that he was God's gift to us. So say to your neighbor, he's a gift. He's a gift. Now, when you talk about gift, what do you think? Today's gift giving, unfortunately, falls short of the way God gives. We give because we have to give many times. How many of you right now are feeling compelled to give? I feel compelled to give many times. You know, I gave my gi a gift to my brother for years, and, and for whatever reason, he was busy, so he didn't give me a gift. So this last year, I decided not to give him a gift because then I want to make him feel bad. And he came Christmas Day, and he gave me a gift. I went, bruh, bruh, bruh. I felt a little embarrassed. So I felt compelled. So this year, I got to give him a gift. <laughs> but you know, I'm just talk. I'm just sharing some things that happen among us. Sometimes we think we need to give very expensive gifts. But in reality, if you're doing it from your heart, why are you really giving a gift? What is it motivated by? Love. Exactly right. Love or great respect and honor. Because when the three wise men came to Jesus offering gold, frankincense, and myrrh, they were giving it to honor someone of great import. 
right? So we give, we give gifts because we love. We give gifts because they're very special. They deserve it. Maybe they did something good for us and we want to thank them. Or we could give, give gifts because of the person's status. In the case of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, gold signifying he was soon to be king, right? Also, last week we learned that uh, a twist on the Christmas story, how God came in stealth mode and it was an act of war when Jesus came in because Jesus came to dethrone. Remember that one? That was a very interesting way of putting the Christmas story. But, but gold was given not just because they were recognizing a king, but because the parents were going to have to go from town to town and hide Jesus for a season, right? So they needed to be able to bankroll and finance that. So that served the multi-purpose. But it's interesting, gold was only given once. See, gold is also symbolic of a one-time gift. Same, same thing with frankincense. Frankincense comes from a bark of a tree. And it's something in its pure form, it burns. See, so it, when, you, when you put frankincense in fire, it'll burn up completely. So that's not something you give all, over and over. It's a one-time gift. And Jesus was going to die for mankind one time only. But myrrh was spoken about in the beginning and in the end because myrrh spoke about suffering. And Jesus suffered throughout his entire ministry from the beginning to the end, right? And, 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 but when you look at the gifts, they were specific, they were geared toward a purpose, and they provided a service for him, Right? So we also, say to your neighbor, we have gifts. Some of our gifts will be used one time. Other gifts will be used on and on and on. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that many Christians, when, when they identify their gift, they give it to the world. Or they use it for a great wealth. Or they, you know, the, the, let's say you have a great singing gift. You go to the world, make mo- many, many millions. And you forget about Almighty God. And you forget about your purpose. You see, we got to get back to understanding the reason for the gift. Over in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Notice, he loved the world so he gave. So say to your neighbor, I give because I, I love. My question, are you giving because you love? Are you giving your gift because you love? Are you sharing Christ with others because you love? You understand? We, we have to understand, are we giving our gifts or are we serving the marketplace only? Are we serving ourselves only? Or are, is our love being activated to such a degree that we're giving to others so they could be reconnected with Almighty God? Ultimately, your gift has redemptive merit, redemptive purpose. You can make a lot of money. You can be very famous, but none of that is redemptive. In other words, nobody's getting saved by what you're doing. Only when people get saved are you now really flowing in the love of God. Only when people are getting saved and restored to Christ are you really utilizing your gifts for what they were intended for or their highest purpose of what they were intended for. God so loved that he gave. How and why? Rather, why? So that others could come and be reconnected with Almighty God. In this year, how many people have been reconnected to God because of your gifts? Okay? James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So we understand that our gifts come from above. They come from Almighty God. So you have to value that. And you have to understand that you don't own it. You're a steward of it. Even though you have the right to use it, whether it's a singing, a preaching, a mercy gift, an administrative gift, whatever it might be, you are a steward of that. And as a steward, you're responsible to the owner. You remember the parable of the talents where the Lord went to three men, uh, three of his servants. He said, listen, I'm going away for a long time. I'm coming back though. So I want you to trade my gold. All right. And I'm going to give you five talents worth. I'm going to give you two talents worth. I'm going to give you one talent worth. He gave it to them according to their abilities. And I love that about God. See, if I see a guy, let's say, for example, doing 10,000 things, I'm not going to worry about that. And I'm not going to try to be like him because I can't do 10,000 things. I can do five. See, but God doesn't worry about that. He just wants you to do your best with what you have. You see my point? He gave one guy five because he was able to handle five. He gave the other guy two because that's what he was able to handle. He gave the other guy one because that's what he was able to handle. He knows our level of experience, our level of strength, whatever it may be. He knows it. 
He'll never hold you responsible for that guy's gift. He'll always hold you responsible for your gift. Point to yourself. I'm responsible to do my best with what God placed in my hand. See my point? And so the guy who had five, when the Lord came back a long time later, he says, okay, what have you done with my stuff? It never belonged to them. They were only able to utilize it. It always belonged to the master. So when the master came back, he demanded, okay, what did you do with my stuff? Well, one guy came, he said, well, you gave me five. I traded it. I did stuff. Here's 10. He said, good and faithful servant. You've done well with a few things. Now I'm going to give you a lot of things. Enter into my joy. Right? So the Lord or the master was pleased because this man understood the fact that this really didn't belong to him. But guess what? While he had it, he was able to trade. He was able to provide for his own needs. He was able to do a lot of stuff with it. But ultimately, he knew his place. He knew his responsibility. And every single day, he was cognizant of that, and he continued to produce and multiply for the greater glory of the household of the master, right? So when he comes back, he pleases the master. But the guy that only had two multiplied it to four. And guess what? The Lord told him the exact same thing that he had said to the guy who had five and multiplied it to ten. Isn't that interesting? In other words, I'm not in competition with him or her. Whatever they do, that's on them. I'm only in competition with my flesh. Amen. And as I discipline myself, as I give God my best, you know, I, God will come and tell me the same exact thing that this guy's getting, right? Because he multiplied it from five to ten, but I only had two. But guess what? I came back to four, which means I was almost at his level just by reason of practicing what I had in hand. See, so not only does God bless you, he will also give you the opportunity to multiply who you are, multiply your influence, multiply your ability, multiply your impact on this earth realm when we, when we do our best with what we have in hand. I want to be like him. Forget about it. You're never going to be him. You're never going to be her. Be the best you that you're called to be. The only challenge and only time the Lord shifted his word was when the guy who had one came back and says, what did you do with my one? He said, well, I was afraid of you. You're, 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 you know, you're a hard man. And you, you look to reap what you don't sow. You could see that this guy didn't have a good relationship with his master. His master had given him the gift of trust, the gift of relationship. And yet all the guy did was he hid the talent. He gave it to, to him back just the way. He says, you wicked servant, you lazy servant. You could have put that in the bank. It could have made interest for me. But yet, you give this to me just like this? And he kicked them out. See, and this is what happens with many of God's people. Because of fear, because of, uh, of, of a misalignment of relationship with Almighty God, we don't steward the gifts that God has given us in a proper way. So what ends up happening is later on, there's no fruit to show. People in church five years, 10 years, 15 years, and no fruit. Why? Because they haven't been exercising their gift according to the will, the, pur- the, pa- the purpose and plan of God. So what happens is they lose out because practicing your gift, included in that, is your own inheritance. There was this one guy that worked with his, uh, with his uh, father-in-law, and they used to build homes. And his father-in-law was, was getting up in the years. And this guy really didn't work with his father-in-law anymore. He didn't want to work anymore. So the father-in-law said to him, listen, I'm going to retire and I want you to do one more house for me. But this house is going to be a masterpiece. He says, I don't want to do anything else. Um, all right, you want a masterpiece? Fine. So the guy gave him a max budget. He gave him a great budget, great house and everything. You build this house. This is why I want you to build it. You know what the guy did to speed it up? Because he really didn't want to work anymore. He really didn't respect the old man. He didn't think it was going anywhere. So he built the home. But inside, the plumbing was shoddy. The electrical was shoddy. The foundation, he didn't prepare it well. Outside, all the dressing looked good. But truth, truth be told, he did not do a good job on the house. It looked good on the outside, but inside it was messed up. So when all is said and done, he gives the key to the old man. He said, here's your fabulous house. And you know what the old man did? Said, Great, I'm retiring. This is my gift to you. He loved that young man, and he wanted to bless him with the best gift ever, and allow even him to build it, and guess what happened? Since the guy mishandled his stewardship, he mishandled his gifts, didn't respect the one that was paying his salary, giving him his bread and butter, at the end of the day, he lost out. 
When we refuse to utilize the gifts that God give, gives us in a way befitting of our Lord and Savior, you know, when, when Jesus died on the cross, that was a gift. He gave his best. But when we don't respond in kind, he's not asking you to go to the cross. But he is asking you to be somebody's answer in your community somewhere. He's asking you to be an answer at your, at your workplace. He's asking you to be an answer in your community. You understand what I'm saying? So, but when we don't do that, we're not, we're not responding in kind. And unfortunately, we're cutting our nose to spite our face. Because the level of input or the level of sowing we do today is the level of harvest you're going to reap tomorrow. And there are many Christians in churches today that they lived out their life in churches, but they're always complaining because they don't get a good harvest. Little do they know, the Bible says is what you sow is what you will reap. What you sow is what you'll reap. So I, right from there, I get a beautiful revelation because the Bible says, give and it shall be given you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall God give to your bosom? He'll send men to give to your bosom. In other words, I can actually initiate my harvest by virtue of what I sow today. Someone once said, if you want to be a friend, be friendly. We don't think that way. We think, oh, I'm not going to do anything until they do for me. Well, what, well, what is, uh, you want me to do something? Well, what is in it for me? How about understanding as a farmer that the more you sow is the more you'll receive? How about as a farmer, do you know if you just sow, you sow kindness, you sow love? And some people will step all over that. But that's all right. You know why? Because you don't know where God's going to give you the reaping. Where he's going to give you the increase. Praise God. So that's how come as, as gifts go, I have to understand, I have to sow first and foremost with respect and love. Respect and love of what? Of what God loves. I love him, so I'm going to sow because I love him because he loved me first. I, I'm going to sow because I love him and he loves them. So I need to love them too, even if they don't love me back. See, I got his love and that's all I need. You, you understand? So the first thing I, I sow, I sow because out of love and out of respect and honor to my, my heavenly father. Then I sow and give out of love and respect for those I love here on earth. I want to be the best I can because that directly impacts my family. It directly impacts my church family. There's some children right around now. They're going to have a better church, a better community because of what I'm doing, because of what we're doing, right? Yeah. Years later, when we have that building, when we have the school, when we have all that stuff, and we pass that on to the next generation, they're going to be blessed, and they're going to have those, adv those advantages. They're not going to have to purchase doors because we already did it for them. They're not going to have to purchase floors because we already purchased them. Praise God. Now they'll be able to take it to the next level. When you look at this young man, Osteen, wow, what a great preacher, great preacher. Ah, I look at his daddy. I used to listen to his daddy preach. Osteen Sr. That man used to get up and preach without notes. He had everything memorized all the time. In his 70s or 80s, I think, preaching. And, and my, man, my man preached a storm every week. And he built a, a church of 8,000, him and his elders and his congregation. They worked hard. So by the, by the time the son was ready, they passed on to the son and the elders of that generation and the congregation of that generation, millions of dollars. They, they gave into the hands of that generation, a church, a school, uh, buildings for after-school programs, all that. So he, he was able to take it to the next level. Now they call him America's pastor, one of America's pastors. <laughs> He didn't, he didn't sow all of that. He's just reaping that. But the scripture says those who sow, they are those that sow and those, they are those that reap. But, but the, God is the one that gives the increase. God gives us the privilege. We're the pioneers. We're the ones that are working hard for another generation. But what I love about the, uh, the conduit, a conduit is a pipe. And water passes through the pipe. What I love about the conduit, as the conduit acts like a conduit, water flows through the conduit also. It goes from point A to point B, but the conduit itself gets watered. Yeah. Oh, you, you didn't get that. You didn't get that. In other words, as I'm serving others, God makes sure that I get wet also, that I get my blessings also, that I get my provision for my family also. That's what I'm saying. And we, we need to understand that. Gift giving is not just about me giving a box with a little something inside. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I've always wanted one of these. What is it? It's a tchotchke for crying out loud. Nicest tchotchke I've ever seen. And then what we do, we put it in the closet. <laughs> but what can we do with our gift that creates an eternal return? 
See, that's what the Lord is waiting for. And he's coming back. When he comes back, he's going to say, my son, my daughter, what did you do? I gave you five. How many are you giving me back? I gave you two. How many are you giving me back? Is he going to say, good and faithful servant? You've been faithful above a few things. Now I'm going to bring you into a place of abundance. And let me state this. When God blesses, he doesn't wait till eternity to give you abundance. He gives you abundance right now. And by, by that I'm saying, I'm not going to give you the, the hyper word of faith thing. What I'm saying is he'll give you more than you need so you could share with others also. Do you understand? In, in other words, I don't want to be in a place where I have 10 Cadillacs. First and foremost, I don't need 10 Cadillacs. Second of all, they're too expensive anyway. A waste of money. I just want one good car, and if I live in a country, two good cars. One for me, one for my wife. That work, right? That's all I need. God will give me enough of that, and he'll give me more for others too. Praise God. Now, I'm in that place now. But for years, I was at the place of declaring it. Father, I thank you that you give more than, than enough. You give abundantly beyond all I can ask or think. For years, I confessed that. And today, my wife and I are living that, right? Amen. But I look at it, I say, okay, good. Now, how can I sow in this season? See, I'm already sowing for a future season. You know why? I reap according to what I sow. I sow friendship. I sow relationship. Years ago, I have somebody here in the congregation right today is very dear to me, um, Elder Amy. She, she belongs to Pastor Al's church. Um, Pastor Al is a dear friend of mine. We've done mission trips together. But I, I shared something not so long ago with my congregation. I went to a course. We, we belong to the same union. She works at the union building, and I am I, a member of this union, wonderful union. I, I just love working with them. And I didn't even know she worked there. Uh, once I'm interfacing there, I saw her one day and we had uh, the opportunity to interface. But I went to a course. It's called the 10 Effective Habits of a Superintendent. Right. Or something like that, right? And um, so I went to the course. It was two weeks. I went the second week because I wanted to learn how to manage properties and all that other stuff. So I went, I sat down and great course. At the end, I went to the instructor, Bill. And I shook his hand. I said, Bill, I want to thank you. This was a great class. That's all I did. Great class. I really appreciate it. Sent him an email. I want to thank you for the privilege of being able to learn more. I think it's a great class. And oh, on and on. I didn't know. But he, when he spoke to the, the green superintendent's course people, and they called me. They asked me to do, if I, if I wanted to come into another course. I took another course. Then they asked me if I wanted to go to Washington, D.C. with them. And I went and I testified as to the benefits of this type of training. Okay. Then they asked me to go to Philadelphia and share. Little by little, they made me an instructor. And today, I actually teach at the school. Why? Because I said thank you. Literally, because I said thank you. And, and, and when I see the benefit of just being grateful for the gifts you receive, being grateful. You know, I don't understand what happens with so many New Yorkers. Always complaining. Always complaining. I, I work at a building, you know, I mean, fine people. They make a lot of money. They're, they're very successful. But they're always grumpy, most of them. Always ready to jump down your throat. Always ready to just fight. They want to fight. They're in the mood of fighting all the time. I look at it and says, and you know, in one of those, te va a quedar ahí muerto. One of those, you're just going to fall dead. Because all that stress, unnecessary. Learn to be grateful for what you have, for crying out loud. Learn to thank God for the things that God places in your hands. Why are you so busy fighting with people when there's, that's not the mountain I want to die on? That's, I don't want to waste my energy on stuff like that. There's not enough life to do that. I want to help people. I want to bless people. I want to encourage people. You understand? So uh, for years, that's all I've done. So, so, how? I sow friendship. I saw appreciation. I, I, show, I, I saw encouragement. See? And what happens is, after a while, it comes back to me. I told you uh, not so long ago, when my wife, she got stuck in, uh, in the highway, it just blew me away. I wasn't there. She calls me. There's nothing I can do. Well, guess what? Somebody gets out of his car, goes to her. He says, man, you look just like my sister. I got to help you. <laughs> so he goes, gets a can of gas, goes all the way to the gas station, and helps her put some, some gas in her car. And that's it, just, just, just because. On another t time, uh, literally, uh, New Year's Day, we got stuck in South Bronx. Our car broke down. South Bronx. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, what am I going to do now? Somebody comes up right there, 
He says, what's the matter with your car? I look at him, I'm ready to fight. Because he looked like somebody was going to harm me. And my man says, open up the hood. So he opens up the hood, your car's messed up. He went, got his car, puts my family in his car, took me all the way home. What you sow is what you reap. See, behind the scenes, he doesn't know that's what we do. We, we help when we can. We do whatever we can to sow. And every time I'm sowing, I say, thank you, Lord, because I'm sowing to somebody's need. I don't know when it's going to come up. But your word says, sow and you shall reap. You said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall men give unto your bosom. See, he won't send something from heaven. He'll touch a man. In other words, mankind. He'll touch somebody to bless you because you have been blessing others. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Because these principles work. They work. They work all the time. They're on earth. They're active. The seed, time, and harvest is active all the time. Whoever takes advantage of it will prosper. And, and God promises it. So we need to understand our gift giving is very, very important. Praise God. In Matthew 7, uh, verse 7 and 11, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. See, this is a guarantee. It doesn't say seek, and you might find. In the Amplified, it says, ask, and keep on asking. Ask over and over, and you will receive over and over. There's such a business revelation that the most of you, it passes right by you. Just yesterday, I'm watching TV. And I'm saying, it's amazing. TV is just an advertising machine amazing. I watch a movie two hours. The, uh, the movie's 10 minutes. <laughs> the rest is advertisements. I'm, I'm amazed. I, I'm offended, appalled. And I keep on watching. <laughs> We're so trained. But think about it. Those who are rich ask a lot. They ask unabashedly. There's no shame. How many of you have seen the gecko at least 10,000 times? Right? The gecko. Amazing. Always. 15 minutes. Uh, get better insurance or whatever it is. You know, I, they, they train you. They, they brainwash you. You deserve a break today. So well, get up and get away too. You even said McDonald's. Why did you say McDonald's? Why? Because we're all brainwashed. That's why. Because they're always asking. Always asking. Always asking. And they don't stop. And you go buy their burger, and now they want you to buy the, the fish sticks and whatever it might be. I don't know what it is, but they're always asking. And we, we're afraid to ask. Yet the scripture said, ask and keep on asking, you will receive and keep on receiving. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will continue to be opened. It's a great business principle, and most of us miss it right there. But the rich folk, they always ask. Trump is always asking. He always asks for very expensive rents. He doesn't charge $1,500 for a two-bedroom apartment. He charges $40,000 for a two-bedroom apartment. Wow. And that's the rent portion. The, the buying apartment is $15 million. And he asks a lot, constantly asking. doesn't stop asking. <laughs> wow, that, that really messed you up, didn't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, we, we need to understand the gifts that God has already released here on earth for us. It, we don't take advantage of it, hence we don't get the blessing. God already activated it, so the business people understand. They use these principles, but they only use it for their own good. We can use these principles to bring eternal reward. Whenever I buy a Bible, give it to somebody and they get saved because they hear the, the revelation contained. I just finished doing something eternal. I get eternal reward for that. Whenever I can be a, a, a representative of Christ in, in, my, in my workplace, at home, in my com community, I just finished switching something normal, mundane, every day to an eternal thing that, that, that impacts eternally. Are we doing that or are we still thinking, well, how are you doing? Ah, same old, same old. Yeah, so a lot of people, and Christians too. Because they, they don't understand. They don't have a revelation of who they are. I am an ambassador as a gift to my region. You know what an ambassador is? He represents the kingdom and the king who sent him. An ambassador is a very important job. An ambassador should have protection, has provision. I can go to a, an area where the economy is shot, but yet my 
city or my state or my nation that sent me will make sure I'm bankrolled while I'm in that area. So I can be in a place where there's recession, but yet the bankroll of heaven. Oh, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. See, my heavenly Father meets all my need according to His riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If a door doesn't exist, He will make a door for me. Why? Because He promised it. Because He said so. Praise God. So as an ambassador, I'm coming into a region giving good news. Say with me, good news. See, so the gift that God offers is good news. So if it's good news, well, how come we're always complaining? How come we're always saying there's not enough? No, this is good news. Good news of plenty. Good news of salvation. The word salvation means a lot. If you study the word salvation in its original language, it means a good keeping, a protection, provision, health. Even uses the word welfare, but not welfare the way we know it. It means a life, a good, abundant life protected by Almighty God. His motivation is love. He gives us eternal life. He gives us peace. He gives us grace. He gives us favor. Do you know one moment of favor could erase 20 years of mistakes? Every day I ask for favor. Every day I thank God for favor. Father, thank you for great grace and favor. With you, my dear Heavenly Father, and with man. I go into places expecting favor. And if things go wrong, I immediately start praying favor. Over the region. Favor over the situation. Favor. And I cancel any assignment that the enemy has thrown my way. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm an ambassador. I have the right to speak a word and bring change to my economy. Bring change to my atmosphere. I could bring change to my, to my condition. Why? Because I'm an ambassador. I have a word of authority. I have death and life in the power of my tongue. Praise God. What better gifts than that? So we need to get away of this modernization of Xmas. They call it Xmas today. Oh, with all due respect, thank you, sir. I still call it Christmas because it's all about Christ. There are people out there putting signs, you don't need Christ for Christmas. Well, if you want to celebrate trees, you don't. But if you want to celebrate Christ, it's Christmas. Praise God. And I haven't stopped celebrating Christ, and I'm not going to stop celebrating Christ. You can celebrate what you, whatever you want. I respect you. Throughout the year, we have a calendar. And when it's Hanukkah, I say, Happy Hanukkah. When it's Kwanzaa, I say, Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is, I, I respect all of them. But when it's Christmas, you respect my Christ. Hallelujah. It's not Xmas. My Christ is not Xed out. He's alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. He gives us wisdom. Wisdom from above. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives us generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given. If you lack wisdom, guess what? He's ready to give it to you. All you have to do is ask ask and keep on asking so i ask for wisdom every day he said keep on asking so i ask every day father thank you for today's wisdom thank you for today's daily bread and part of the daily bread is wisdom to be able to interface with unknowns intangibles that i don't know at the moment but his wisdom will help me praise god matthew 6 31 so do not worry saying what shall we eat or drink or whatever shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things. And you're seeing them doing now and during the Christmas season. Yesterday we had Santa come. Any of you heard of that? I live in the area where they come Santa coming. Well, they go in and they dress like Santa and they get drunk. That's their assignment. Yeah, they go from bar to bar and drink here, drink there, drink there, drink there, drink there, drink there. Drink. They go to 15, 20 bars. At the end of the 15 bars, you know what that Santa's looking like? So yesterday, they're in shirts and t-shirts, all looking for taxis at 7 o'clock, you know, they're barely able to stand, and I'm saying, that's Christmas to them. They don't have revelation. They don't understand. He says, but here, but here, your heavenly Father knows you need those things. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, God has no problem giving you things, home and resources, but seek His kingdom first. See, we seek the things first. But God said, turn that equation around. Seek me first. Seek the gift giver first, and I shall bless you with all these things that you need. Amen? Amen? Praise God. John 1, 6. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. God doesn't give one blessing. He gives one blessing after another. And blessings are empowerments. Blessings are grace gifts. Ray, Ray Hollenbach one time said, 
the Christmas story is all about God reaching out to people who are nobodies. You look at Mary, she was a nobody. You look at Joseph, he was a nobody. You look at the three wise men, really, we don't even know their names. I think uh, there's history or folklore that's given them names. There were philosophers, astronomers, but yet God reached out to those who really weren't part. They were not Sadducees. They were not Pharisees. When you look at David, who was David before Goliath? A little shepherd boy. God loves taking the stuff that the world doesn't care about and raising it up so that they won't get the glory. God gets the glory. So if in this season you're considered a nobody, guess what? You're in good company. And God's going to pass through you first before he goes to the wise ones. Because many times the wise ones, they think they're all that and they don't need God anymore. We get so wise, we get foolish. But in closing, you are a gift. God has given us a gift and now we're a gift to others. So I, I, I just finish with this. You're not really a nobody. You're known in the heavenly realms. You are known by Almighty God. You're known in the spirit realm. More than once, I've had people come up to me and say something about you. Can't place it. There's an aura or something like that. I've had people come up to me. I've had santeros come to me. Ooh, I can't mess with you. I'm going, wow, how do you know? But then I got to remember, oh, they, they, they have their, their pulse in the spirit realm. They understand. But they just know that what I have is better stuff than they have, right? They don't know what it is. They don't know it's the Holy Spirit who lives in me, who lives in you. Praise God. So I celebrate that every day. So thank you, Lord, because today's a hard day, but I thank you that you're with me. And I don't have to walk this thing alone. Lord, I'm not sure what's going to go on, but you're going to give me wisdom today. You're going to give me grace and favor today. You're going to turn my situation around. I might not be the most qualified, but I have your blessing. I might not be the most deserving, but I have your blessing. You're your Abba Father to me. Praise God. And you love me. And you're going to turn my situation around. Amen. So, so this, this Christmas season... Switch it around. Don't make it about, you know, a little gift or this, that. Make it about sowing love, sowing grace, sowing favor, sowing gifts. But gifts of, of love and friendship and, 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 and be an answer to somebody. Amen. You know, be a living prayer to somebody. Amen. Praise God. And watch how God's going to bless you mightily. Not only that, you know, it's, you either can be blessed or be the blessing. It's a higher order to be the blessing versus being blessed. Yes, we're blessed because God blessed us, but he blessed us so that we could become the blessing to somebody else. So we become an answer to somebody. 